if E.T. were a musical, I would make a really good alien. Hey, I'm Eli. And I'm Ian. And this is... Conspiracy Crashers! Yay! So, we're on, like, part two of Project Pegasus, and... Part one was like a lot of information, and this one's significantly less. This also is 10-ish years after um, the time travel stuff ended. So there's like an actual gap? Yeah, we're now in 81. But I thought the project went on, the initial time travel thing already went on for like 10 years. It went on from 62 to 72. Oh. Okay, I see. And now there's this nine-year gap. So we're older now. We're not using seven to 12-year-olds anymore. Okay. We're now using 14 to 19. I guess that's better? It's like, well, damn, all of these third graders were running around telling everyone we were time traveling, so... We're just going to get high school students because surely they won't do that. But then they used the exact same ones. No, only Basiago. Oh, he's the only one who was also. Because um, he was like one of their favorites. Of course he was. Um, even though he has admitted to trying to sabotage a lot of the time travel missions by like leaving his toys in places and stuff to like signify that he was there. Wait, he admits to having specifically gone against the interests of his own projects? Yeah, yeah. He, like, was like, I left a toy at this place, I left this at this place, named, like, four different places because he didn't like that they were, like, swearing him to secrecy. So he was like, well, I guess I'm just going to sabotage it. But then they brought him back. So, you know, that lines up well. Okay. We're already roasting Basiago before we've even gotten to the actual meat of the... Good old Andy. He's doing his best. But yeah, as, as we said in the beginning, if you managed to reach this part, you've, you've done it. You have survived. This is soft, smooth sailing from here on out. This one's going to be just absolutely bizarre from the get-go. Yeah. I honestly think this one is more wild than... Pegasus itself, because we start name-dropping. Yeah, that's, that's going to be it's gonna be fun. And it's more than the one you're thinking of. No, I know. There's, there's like a whole bunch of people. Mm-hmm. It's great. So, All right. jumping right in, we're going to Mars now, because why not? Like, you know, sure, the moon and all is a thing, but like, Mars... We're going to go really deep into space. So the only... Can, can I just preface this by saying, I feel like the reason specifically Mars is because we don't think of there being aliens on the other planets. Right. Like, right. like we, don't, we, we don't have a bunch of people with like, who are going out to see horror movies about the, Mercur- the Mercury aliens. You know, what would you even call them? It doesn't roll off the tongue like Martians does. The ice monster in Frozen could be from Pluto. <laughs> yeah, right? But, but I, I seriously feel like 
that's the reason why specifically Mars. Yeah. So we're going to Mars. Yeah. Um, and you know, children can acclimate really well to traveling all the way back to the Jesus. Apparently. And the dinosaurs, but they can't acclimate to space. So we're going to have a Mars training class at a college in California, Community College of the Siskiyous. I don't know. I thought maybe that would mean something to you because California, but. Interesting that it's literally a community college program that's doing this. Listen, I wish I'd gone to space camp. Like, yeah. If someone wants to add another tier on the Patreon to send Eli and Ian to space camp, they have adult space camps. Like, I wonder if there are like prerequisites. I've looked into it. There are. <laughs> okay. There are. I would like to go. Um, but yeah, so we're doing this training. The training actually, according to good old Andy, was not on how to acclimate. It was what they were to do when they got there. So okay. we've contradicted ourselves already saying that like we can't acclimate to it, but they're not teaching us how. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we finished the training. The training takes about a year. And we don't meet any of these people that he name drops later during the training. We meet these people once we're already on Mars. So the training they were supposed to do, or well, what they were told to do in the training, was to acclimate humanoids and animals on Mars to their presence so that they could make good with the locals so there's no trouble when they're setting up camp to establish a defense regimen to protect Earth from threats in space. Okay, so the objective is to basically get alien permission to build a military base on Mars. Hey, surprise, we're a bunch of 19-year-olds and we're time travelers and we're gonna build a military base on your home to protect ourselves. Please be our friend. Freaking 19-year-old came up to me and was like, hey, I'm building a war base. I'd be like, get the fuck out, go away. Like. Which, this was this was by the CIA too, right? Yeah. To be fair, like, who's to say that Martian life would have like similar? Like, I'm not sure that aliens would necessarily age the same way humans would. You're right. I mean, so I, they might not even know if we were kids enough. Aging's not a thing in us Martians. Ah, yes. Yes. Yeah. No, I would be like, go away, leave me alone. I don't want you here. Like where the fuck did you come from in the first place? Mm-hmm. Secondly, this isn't Roanoke. I'm going to kill you. <sighs> I feel like because he specifically said that they were going to like make peace before so they could set up camp. Yeah. I was like, I feel like he learned about Roanoke in his like high school history class and was like, yes, that's what we did. <laughs> yes. That is where we start. So... Good old Andy says he only made the jump twice. So this thing went on for a really long time, but he only got to go twice. And I kind of think that's because he was sabotaging things. 
makes sense. Like, if you're going to fuck shit up on purpose, I'm not going to keep using you. Did they give him particular objectives during each individual mission he went on? No, just to walk around and... Cool. See what see what's out there, you know? Like... Cool. Cool, cool. Right? So, we make our first jump. It is 1981. And Basiago has been told he's going to be the first... Martian conquist- conquistador? Conquist- yeah. yeah, conquistador. We're going to be a Martian conquistador. And in my notes, I literally wrote the fuck in all caps. Okay. Because, you know. Go ahead, man. So we get there. It takes 20 minutes to get from Earth to Mars through these teleportation machines that they have. Which I would have thought it would be instant. Like... What's happening in those 20 minutes in the tube or whatever they went through? Surprisingly, this actually makes some very strange amount of sense. Uh, If you actually look at, like, how long certain radio signals take... So, like, you know, when we have Mars rovers, sometimes due to interference, due to, like, solar winds or due to, like, you know, weird other magnetic effects in the galaxy, sometimes radio signals to Mars or from Mars can take up to 20 minutes to reach us when, because they move at the speed of light. Uh, in, like, in like a perfect wor- world where like you could just, you know, without interference, go straight from Earth to Mars at light speed, it would only take about three minutes, but it can take up to 20 in reality. Okay. So if they were for some reason moving at the speed of light as opposed to literally instantly teleporting, it would make some sense, okay. actually. So now I just imagine him, though, being like, cool, I've got a 20-minute break. I'm going to make some phone calls. I'm going to play this game on my phone. And, like, I know it's the 80s, so, like, they don't have games on did he phone. Did he describe what the process, like, what it felt like to go through and teleport? No, he just said it took 20 minutes. They went into these jump rooms and stepped through a thing, and 20 minutes later, they were on Mars. When he got there, I was like, huh, it's been 20 minutes. In theory, like, if you wanted to, you could, like... We don't have the technology to do that now. Probably won't ever, because it would be a lot of... It would take a lot of energy to do it. But uh, we could, in theory, like, similar to how quantum entanglement works, where we, like, transmit energy about the positions of things, we could, in theory, like, break down an entire human body into information, send that information at the speed of light to Mars, and then reconstruct someone, and then, like, you know even though they would have, for them, obviously, it would have felt like they were just there instantly because, you know, they were energy uh, a few minutes before and energy is not conscious. Right. Uh, so, like, in theory, you could have them, like, jump, literally, j- literally, like, the jump room would just transmit them as energy waves over to Mars and then you could construct them somehow from that information. Okay, impossible 
but theoretically plausible. All right, all right. But that's also, like, more materialization than it is. Yeah, it's not, it's not like, literal teleportation. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's okay. just, fa- it's just traveling at the speed of light. So, we've traveled there. Okay. This first experience is really lame. Really? It's really lame. Here we go. He arrived at an underground location. So we're in a like man-made underground room in Mar- on Mars, I guess. Mm. And walked up a concrete circular stairwell to reach the surface. He reached the surface? Yeah, he like basically was underground and then walked up a spiral staircase to get to the surface of Mars. Might I ask how the weather was? Oh, we'll get there. Okay. He said, now this is a direct quote from good old Basiago. Okay. And this is all we have on this entire first trip. I walked through the eye sockets of a skull on the surface, stepped out onto the surface, and was met by three human beings from Earth where we stood around for an hour before I was told I could leave and teleport back to Earth. They just stood around for an hour <laughs> like, we're just... on the surface of Mars. Yeah. After leaving through a skull. Came out through a skull. So I guess this spiral staircase led to some giant-ass skull. Are there giants on Mars? <laughs> maybe it's a dinosaur skull. <laughs> okay. Uh, regardless, may- maybe that was just like a metaphor. That's what I'm hoping. Cause like... Yeah, like imagery or something. Did he give any details as to like preparation for going to the surface yeah here we go here we go there was no preparation he was wearing street clothes there's no helmets the air is breathable okay and he was wearing normal clothes yeah like okay t-shirt and jeans the air is breathable but thin is uh, his direct quote okay so basically these astronaut suits that we see today aren't actually necessary. Take a big deep breath of fresh Mars air. And he said the sky was a pale blue. Interesting. Out of all my research, I didn't actually literally look up what color is the Martian sky. It does say blue. The sky can be blue on the side nearest to the sun. And then on the side far away, it appears red. Yep. Because of the dust. Well, brownie, brownie points. He got something right. We're 50% right on that. Um, so I guess they had to put him on the side where the sun was. And yeah, so, you know, breathing air, things are real chill. We stood for an hour and then I peaced out, went back down the staircase and back to the jump room in California. Okay. So that's the first one. Not very exciting. And after that first one, good old Andy's going back to high school. He's sick of this shit, apparently. Like, in that six-hour thing I watched the other day, he basically, at that point, was like, yeah, I just was over it. They were treating us like soldiers. I just wasn't having it. They were yelling at us all the time. Like, fair. But also... What? Like... I suppose at this point in his life, he had already been enough of a hero for the world, you know? Absolutely. 
I don't know if I had gone time traveling, I don't think I'd want to be back to like a boring reality. Well, I mean, it's, it sounds like, like his missions to the past were actually super interesting. And so to just go to Mars, stand for an hour and leave, I can see why he'd lose excitement in his own projects. There was never a passion for these projects because we were leaving toy cars and stuff back in the 1800s. That's true. But again, it's also not necessarily like this was something he signed on for. His father encouraged him to sign on for it when he was an infant. He can't consent. Yeah, exactly. He was too young to consent. Yeah. Hey, bro. Hey, bro. Awesome bro take. Yeah, man. I hoped you noticed I got it from Phoenix Fit. Like the bird? No, it's spelled F-N-X Fit. Fuel for greatness. Oh yeah, man, you are pretty great. You know, I've totally heard of them. I get my protein powder from them. Dude, bro, you use protein powder? That's why you look so good. Man, thanks, bro. Dude, I'm looking at the website right now. They donate a gallon of clean water to parts of the world that don't have it every time you make a purchase. Well, bro, that's so beautiful. Just like our bromance, dude. I love you, bro. No, I love you, bro. Use the code CRASHER with a capital C for 15% off every purchase at fnxfit.com. So, we are now entering 1983. Okay. When he made his second trip. And this is the big one. Okay. 83, we're going again. We're keeping the claim of the spiral staircase. Um, when we get there, a young man who is about 19 years old named Barry Sotero is heading down the stairs to leave. And Basiago looks at him, salutes, and says, we have arrived. And that's their entire interaction. Now, do I disclose who good old Barry is, or do we wait? Just wait. So yeah, we've now encountered Barry. Barry is leaving, and Andy's showing up. Mm-hmm. So he's not alone this time. He's with um, William Stylings, who has also come forward now to say that he was one of these people. They're there for four hours this time. And during these four hours, they didn't just stand. They were like, no, nah, we're on Mars. Let's have a fucking party. So they walked around the surface this time. They were like, we're going to walk. Let's do it. And on their walk, they happened upon a stone house, and from a direct quote, similar to what you would see in Philadelphia, where they met a colonist from Earth. Did they ask how long he'd been there? No. There was just a singular stone house, and they just walked over there, and were told that he was from Earth, too. Okay. And so they were like, cool. And then continued on their walk. And now they kind of got, we're in like hour two of their walk. And they got lost. Hate it when that happens. Mm -hmm. You know men who are like too full of themselves to ask for help or for directions on how to get back. The kind of guy who tries to uninstall the Maps app from the iPhone. Yes. Oh, my God. I did that the other day on accident and had a panic attack. 
You can do it? <laughs> you can uninstall maps? It was ways, but, you know. Can you uninstall maps? I don't use... You can. I think I can. It says delete app. You can. That's amazing. I uninstalled Waze and cried for about 20 minutes and then re-downloaded it. That's sad. Yeah. So we're lost, but we're not going to ask for directions because we're men. You know, we're 17 years old. So no, we're not going to ask for help on this planet we've only been to once. I mean, to be fair, help might be scarce if there's only one colonist. Right, but go ask the fucking colonist. Well, they, they passed him by, right? And they were walking for hours. Yeah. So we're just going to keep walking. You know, the air's thin. I'm really tired. Mm-hmm. It's hard to breathe, but it's possible. And they encounter our first form of life that isn't a human. Let's hear it. Yay. They encountered a half-human, half-slug. You mean in appearance or, but like, genetically human? In appearance. Now, I mean, I know, like, in an ideal viewpoint, it's going to be the upper body of a human, right? Maybe. And the lower body of a slug? It wasn't? It doesn't say, but I like to picture, because of that, that it's the legs of the boy who returned without his legs. <laughs> it's okay, Timmy. Your legs found a new home. Like, but then, like, with the, like, little itty-bitty slug, not, like, one of the giant slugs, but, like, a teeny, tiny slug on these human legs. That's what I pictured. I love that. That's what I'll that's, draw. That's, that's going to be the picture for this episode. Yep. Oh, it is. Um, but this human slug was really scary and vicious and wanted to kill them. And I don't know how they knew it wanted to kill them. Like, I don't know if this little slug dude on Timmy's legs was like, hey, I'm gonna kill you. I mean, I'm sure there's threatening behavior that a slug could do. Oh, I mean, I guess if it's on human legs, the human legs can run. That's true. They could, it could charge you unexpectedly and without warning. It could make like a weird sound maybe, I don't know. (laughs) These slugs scream. Uh, Now I'm picturing like the screaming goat. I would run if something screamed at me like a goat and sprinted right at me. Yeah, I honestly, I would laugh. But, you know, no, they didn't run when the slug tried to kill them. He crossed his arms and intimidated him into submission. What? Mm Mm-hmm. So this vicious thing that wants to hurt him, he just crossed his arms and looked at it. Like, nah, man, don't do this. Not today. And it... Is, Is there a quote for this? He said, you know... I mustered up the courage and just looked at him and intimidated him into um, submission to save my life. Okay. So interaction with um, Slug Boy over here wasn't really the one we needed to get unlost. Yeah. I mean, did they ask him for directions after intimidating him? You know. It must have slipped their minds. Yeah, they were more focused on the fact that all it took to save their lives was looking at the slug. You know, it's, it's just the manifestation of his true potential, the talent that they scouted back in the 70s. See, no, I thought, you know Harry Potter, right? Like, you've read the books. Yeah. You know, in Defense Against the Dark Arts, when they bring the, like, the, the stupefied the, self, and it's their worst fear. Oh, the, the Boggart. Uh, it's, that's what it is. That's his Boggart. 
So we're still lost, though. And so we're just going to keep wandering. And he's like, oh, look, a statue. We must be close to the humans. I mean, to be fair, that's a safe bet. Oh, just wait. So we go to this statue and wipe some of the dust off a bit. And, oh, that's not a statue. That's a tube. And what's in the tube? Half-eaten humans and humans that have been tested on. Now, not only was there this slug we had to intimidate, there was also tubes filled with people. And, like, we didn't check to see if these people are alive. We just ran. What? They didn't, they didn't ask? They didn't just, like, scream down the tube of bodies? Hey, does anyone know the way out? <laughs> no, they didn't. No, they ran. They're, like, tripping over themselves, falling and shit. And, like, he said he fell to his knees and heard footsteps behind him. And initially thought it was someone coming to their rescue, but upon turning around, it was a Martian plesiosaur who was about the size of a T-Rex and purple in color. I mean, even on Mars, you should know better, you know, like, like, I'm sorry, but you don't, you don't bend over to pick up the soap. You just don't. Like, even on Mars, rule doesn't change so him falling to his knees that's on him man he brought this on himself now we're like sitting on our ass staring up at this like dinosaur who's like i mean i think this is also a good opportunity so now you can go hey barney do you know the way home like he could be friendly it was the you know one-eyed one-horned flying purple people leader of course so yeah this plesiosaur thing is screaming at them And so they hurry and start running because this dinosaur was hungry and was going to eat them. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I don't know how they knew he was going to eat them or if they just were like, this giant thing's chasing us, so it must want to eat me. I mean, his arms would be too short to play tag, so the the only other option is he's there to eat you. Yeah, but like, you know, they didn't stop to be like, hey, because he's not a T-Rex, he's a plesiosaur. I hope it looks exactly like Barney. The fuck? I mean, if I saw this, I'd run too. Let me see this. Oh, yeah. Like, okay. I'd run. Okay, then. I mean, he kind of looks like Nessie. The Loch Ness Monster is on Mars, guys. We found him. I don't remember him being purple, but we did find him. But yeah, so they're being chased by the purple Loch Ness Monster, who does have arms long enough to grab him. But, you know, I would just turn and be like, hey, I'm going to cross my arms like I did with the slug. It worked well last time. Right. Now they ran and magically had found their way back because they ran through the skull and down the stairs and back to Earth. You know what? Maybe it chased them so that they would go in the right direction. He was just trying to help. So that was the end of the second trip. And he was like, I'm done. I'm not going back. Fuck this. Um, the mission's continuing with other people now. They're taking pictures, taking evidence, like all this shit is happening, apparently. And so the CIA apparently, direct quote, well, this part's not a quote because I'm going to cuss and be myself, but like, you know, they were like, no, you can't just fucking like walk out of here. Like you're a high school student. We thought we trusted high school students, but they're going to tell everything. So they wiped his memory. Which, you know, worked really well because he now claims that 
though his mind was white, he now remembers exactly what happened. Okay, then. <laughs> I, think, I think this is ironclad. No way to change it. Um, it's 100% serious. So now we're going to jump, like, really far forward to 2006. And, you know, Basiago's living his best life as a really well-respected lawyer in Washington. But, mm, you know, things are just too boring. We have to sabotage something, and we couldn't sabotage the CIA mission, so we'll just sabotage ourselves. So we're looking at these pictures from NASA back from the 80s, and he zooms in and finds a speckled goblin on Mars. Does he really now? Mm-hmm. And so he starts publishing all of these papers about how there were speckled goblins and gremlins and all of these um, beings on Mars that he was finding in these photos. Yeah. So, you know, this is when he started to kind of sabotage himself. How so? Because this is when, like, the real whistleblowing started of everything that happened from the 60s. Mm. 70s and 80s. He's now just going to spill all of it. However, NASA, you know, they have to take claims like kind of seriously. So they looked at the photo and turns out that their um, rover spirit had taken the photo um, during a dust storm. (laughs) So it was a rock. Mm. But yeah, this rock is a new species of goblins. Yeah. So now we're really going downhill of like, NASA's not believing me. I'm going to form the truth, whatever. Spill everything. I'm a chrononaut. William Stylings is a chrononaut. Regina Dugan, who is now the head of DARPA, actually, was also a chrononaut. We're all chrononauts. And like, because we predicted the future, future presidents were also the chrononauts. Both Bushes, the Clintons were chrononauts, and this is my favorite one. You know our good old friend Barry? What, Barry Sotero? Yeah. That was just an alias that Obama went by. And during the 08 election, when people were harassing him, saying he had never even served him in our country, he just had to ignore those claims because he was sworn to secrecy by the CIA. So now we've brought, you know, the head of DARPA into this, the Clintons, the Bushes, and Obama. And then good old Andy, who's just a lawyer. And that's kind of where it all ties together to where we are now in the present with him being kind of crazy about all of this and trying to expose everything. Now, there was an interview with some of, like, Obama's, like, employees, I guess, about this after the claims. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, the government shut down the claims pretty quickly. Um, but here's the direct quote from one of his, is it Secret Service? His, like, security people. Probably Secret Service, yeah. I'm pretty sure he's never been to Mars unless you count watching Marvin the Martian. So... You know, Basiago's not done. He's like, fuck you. You just 
really don't want me to expose this because it would make people mad at you for hiding this. So just so everyone knows, this is still happening. And that's why billions of dollars are taken every year and why like the nation is in debt. It's because we're funding black space projects. What is black space? Black holes, maybe? Um, he was like, you know, if y'all don't believe me, I'm just going to show you exactly where these jump rooms are. Cool. Which would be like the most solid form of proof. Well, obviously, yeah. I mean, if you can show jump technology... I mean, that's, that bait, I mean, eat, at the very least, that gets your foot in the door, honestly. That would be enough for me to at least start beginning a story. Right, right. So, they're in the underground tunnels of baseball stadiums. He didn't name a specific one, but he went and was like, huh, I guess they moved it. And with that, that is my story of Project Pegasus, part two, Mars Projects. Take it away, Ian. What a national hero. Me or Santiago? Both. I'm really glad he enjoyed his time on the surface of Mars. I really. Because uh, all things considered, he could have had a much, much worse time on the surface of Mars uh, than he did. I mean, to be honest, like, he must have just been, on, been there on, like, really warm days. Because, uh, the temperature on the surface of Mars actually varies between negative uh, 81 and negative 189 degrees Fahrenheit. I was about to ask if we were Celsius or Fahrenheit. Yeah, that's for, for Celsius, it's a negative 63, negative 123. So he, he actually like, he really got good timing and he went on the days when it happened to not literally freeze him to death instantly. Uh, like he would have, like he spent an hour standing outside. Uh, sure, man. I'm, I'm really glad. I'm really glad you enjoyed your time there. I'm also glad that the air was a little thin, but not, not too thin because, uh, that I was a re- I was really worried because you know the atmospheric pressure on Mars is equivalent to the atmos- atmospheric pressure on Earth at an altitude of thirty five thousand uh, meters, I believe. So, like being in an airplane. Yeah, uh, and you know it, I'm glad he could still breathe it because on Earth, go above eight thousand feet, like when we're climbing Mount Everest, we just die of lack of oxygen so so thank god he was at like the best possible places where atmospheric pressure somehow is an anomaly but man not only was he that lucky so was obama and the clintons and that one colonist yeah the one colonist with one house and no crops he's just been chilling there for god knows how long long enough to build a house that's pretty nice out of stone Okay, uh, so yeah, I'm not, I, I have to just say, literally, studies have been done, they're not even sure life on the surface of Mars is possible. Part of the reason is because of the low atmospheric pressure, which means breathing it, breathing the atmosphere would have been impossible. You couldn't breathe Martian air. Uh, 
It also would be incredibly cold, as we've just described. Those two factors together mean that, except in very specific circumstances, liquid water is not possible on Mars, on the Martian surface. Um, so are you telling me no plesiosaur? What? What do you mean? And that's what really matters, is that this story hits all of us in our hearts, and we know it to be true. What about the slug? So, allowing life on Mars, especially life as large as is being described, where we have one that's, I'm guessing, roughly human-sized, with like the human bottom and, and a slug top, <laughs> and then even life larger than humans to be like the size of a plesiosaur. Um, biologically, all life we know that reaches sizes like that are what we call aerobic. They require oxygen. They breathe oxygen as part of their fuel source. That's how they live. And, and also it's worth noting historically that the more oxygen there was in the atmosphere, the larger the creatures were that could exist, which is why we won't see any modern dinosaurs. Right. I'm gonna hold on to hope then that this goblin rock does exist. Why? Well, clearly, if he can turn into a rock, he's evolved enough that when it gets too cold for him, he can just say, fuck it, and turn into a rock. Interesting. Uh, Our tubes, right? Yeah. So NASA studied these pictures of these tubes with people and have now come forward and say, said, it is crystallized rock formations from a lava flow freezing because of the cold temperatures of Mars. Huh. So there's that answer right there. There were no tubes. Life on Mars. The, the oxygen content of the Mars atmosphere is 0.17%. That's not much at all. On Earth, the oxygen the oxygen component is 20.95% of the atmosphere. And it's that abundance of oxygen that allows animals as large as we can find on Earth to exist. There is still the possibility of alien life that wouldn't need to uh, process oxygen the way we do. Uh, there are what we call anaerobic. That's going to be microorganisms, isn't it? <laughs> There's always a little caveat when we say something like that. As it happens, we have only discovered, I think, in total, four living organisms which are completely anaerobic their whole lives. And the largest one, the largest one is less than one millimeter long. Well, it's a baby. No, that's adult. That's actually fully grown. No, I know, but like, it's a baby. One, one of these species is only 10 celled. It has 10 total cells, and that's the full organism. So if there are Martian aliens, they are not slugs with human bodies on the bottom. They are not giant dinosaurs. They are literally near either entirely microscopic or nearly microscopic. Right, like none of this you can see with just the like bare human eyes. Yes, and, and 
I almost promise you they would not have developed organs of sight. So whether or not you crossed your arms, they wouldn't be intimidated. Uh, on the other hand, you wouldn't need to be intimidated of them either because they definitely couldn't eat you. Right. If also worth noting is if life is going to be on Mars, they predict they'll find it underground right. where it's a little warmer. There's more shelter from a... Because the atmosphere is so much thinner on Mars, and the reason for that, by the way, fun fact, the reason we have such a good atmosphere, we have a magnetic core uh, to the planet and because that magnetic core creates a, a magnetic field, literally we have like electromagnetic shielding from a lot of space radiation like uh, solar winds that would otherwise literally blow away our atmosphere over time. Uh, and that's what happened to Mars because Mars does not have a metallic core. So metallic core is a big part of it, but is it also like the ozone layer? <laughs> Well, the way the atmosphere is held together is because the magnetic field prevents things from breaking it apart. Uh, so because Mars doesn't have a magnetic field, because it doesn't have a, a metallic core, uh, a lot of space radiation can come in and blast away segments of the atmosphere. And in fact, that is what they think happened to Mars over billions of years. Okay, that makes sense. So... Yeah. His most accurate information then was when he started and was like, we were underground. Yes. If you were to make a base, you would definitely want it to be underground. Um, and he was also correct, apparently, that the sky was blue. At least he could have been correct. He at least has the possibility of having been correct with that. He jumped onto good old Google. Yeah. But yeah, the claim of aliens working wouldn't work. Also, if he walked around and somehow didn't freeze to death, um, the other downside that I, the, the downside I was getting to about the lack of atmosphere is that without an atmosphere, you get exposed directly to all the space radiation coming through. I mean, Mars has some atmosphere. You get a little bit of protection. But the levels of, the levels of radiation on, on the planet are so high that we predict that literally no, not even vegetable life could live on Mars, much less animal. You'd, you, even, the human colonist on Mars, honestly, is the guy I worry most about because he would have spent most of his life exposed to this type of radiation. He probably would have horrible skin cancer, genetic problems. Maybe that's why they didn't ask him for directions. He was dead. He might have looked a little weird. You know, might have had a third arm or something. <laughs> like I'm just saying, the genetic damage and the a a to your body would be horrible. Uh, it would be, I mean, yeah, you don't want to be on the surface of Mars. You do not want to be on the surface of Mars under any circumstances. It's not fun. So, basically, every interaction that's claimed to happen between like living individuals on Mars simply couldn't have. Right. He would have certainly died. Uh, and, and not due to being eaten by aliens. He would have died to natural environmental factors like freezing to death, not being able to breathe. Yeah, both of those seem pretty important. Hey, bro! Hey, bro! Awesome bro take! 
Yeah, man, I hoped you noticed. I got it from Phoenix Fit. Like the bird? No, it's spelled F-N-X Fit. Fuel for greatness. Oh, yeah, man, you are pretty great. You know, I've totally heard of them. I get my protein powder from them. Dude, bro, you use protein powder? That's why you look so good. Man, thanks, bro. Dude, I'm looking at the website right now. They donate a gallon of clean water to parts of the world that don't have it every time you make a purchase. Well, bro, that's so beautiful. <laughs> Just like our bromance, dude. I love you, bro. No, I love you, bro. Use the code CRASHER with a capital C for 15% off every purchase at fnxfit.com. I would love to talk about this memory wiping. Yeah, now we get to look at some of the uh, the logical flaws in this uh, in this particular aspect of the theory. So, what do you think about this memory wiping and what it means for humanity, first of all, and then s- secondly for Basiago? Yeah, my first thought was like, "Damn, the Men in Black strike again, and they failed once again." Hmm. Like, I think. You can claim memory loss to an extent from a PTSD front. Okay. You can't, however, say, oh, the government wiped my memory and suddenly I magically remember this to, yeah. um, to the T exactly what we encountered, how I stopped it. And I also want to point out that at the time that he actually came forward with all of this, he was, had a book that was about to be published. So to me, it feels like a half thought out marketing stunt. Let's talk about what the CIA could have done so much better to deal with Basiago trying to be a whistleblower. Kill him. You could kill him, but you wouldn't necessarily have to just kill him the normal way. You could, you've, got to remember this guy came from a time travel project right they could have gone back in time and changed their pool of of children that they were using for the experiment to remove basiago from the experiments you're right they could have also just sent him back in time and left him yes which as we've talked about when you when you look at the real physics behind time travel that's exactly what would happen you'd be stranded I mean, there's a lot of flaws from part one of it that tie in really well into part two. Like I said, I think in part one, I believe they tried something with time travel. I mean, they've flat out said they tried stuff with time travel and teleportation. But the extent that he goes into it and how many flaws there are in his information, it's hard to believe, one, that he was ever part of it, to that anything happened to this extent. Also, yeah. all of the name dropping seems like a con- another convenient marketing ploy. There's a part about this theory that I'm not sure we, we, we like specifically got into, but as I recall, all of these presidents who were involved in this sort of jump room thing, they were also being briefed on their futures as presidents. Yes. My first question then becomes, why only as early as, like, the Clintons? Because we just didn't care about anyone before them, I guess. Yeah, like, 
but like the entire purpose of the time travel was right. also the same thing to provide information to inform the presidents of future events. I'd assume that would extend to people who were going to be president who weren't kids at the time. Right. I mean, this thing said um, past and future presidents. And if you're briefing someone on what to expect when they're the leader, it would be like, yo, this war is going to happen. And it's going to yes. be really fucking bad. This makes for a very strange time causality issue where if the CIA is essentially this it's hard to know because we don't know what theory of time they're working with but like if they see the future and they see oh these people are going to become president and so then the CIA seeks out these people who they believe are going to become the president in the future and then they brief them on what to do when they're president in the future and then they in theory since they're you know the government themselves essentially they could rig the elections to guarantee that these people became the presidents and then you have suddenly the question of if the cia hadn't gone and looked into the future would this future have occurred is it the cia's meddling that made the presidents the presidents that they saw in the future in which case looking into the future did not provide new information you could also look into that and say, I mean, we have seen elections be rigged. And then you also get very deep into politics of like, does that mean like what they want is going to change as parties are changed? Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think you're going to, you would not have several of the people who became presidents without some political format if we're going to say they meddle in it. Yeah. But we're all... Well, not all, but we're probably both thinking the same president when I say that. For me, that right there is like, (laughs) no, they would have stopped him from becoming president. Well, the thing is, if you're going to have control over who's becoming the president in the future and you get to brief them, it leads me to wonder why the CIA in these briefings must have included flaws that would exist within each presidency right because almost every presidency has some sort of significant problem that it fails to address or accidentally creates why would the cia be meddling in these affairs and creating essentially they would be creating the future flaws in every presidency by not correcting them and that leads us to wonder is the cia what like if the CIA is a government organization, why is the CIA acting against the interests of the government by making, by literally like enforcing the rigidity of time to the extent that they're saying our country has to fuck this up at this time. So fuck it up. Have fun. Yeah, exactly. To me, to me that in particular scene, again, if this was going to happen anyway, I see no reason to provide this information to the to the potential future presidents. Right. There's no use to it. Yeah. If you're not yeah, if you're not going to fix the issue, why bother to go anyways? We're now we're sort of getting back into the time travel thing. Let's focus more on Mars. Yes. No, I mean as far as Mars goes, like I think it's the more outlandish the more outlandish side of the theory just from the get-go. There's so many inaccuracies and like at least with 
the time travel were going off of Tesla's information. As, and, as unreliable as it may be, yes. Right, like, there's still flaws in it. There just seems to be a lot more empty information with Mars and a lot more of just like, oh, we did this too. That's, that's the one thing that confuses me most is that for the time travel aspect of Project Pegasus, it seems like he actually like had a lot of detailed ideas of what the technology was like, uh, including the fact that there were in fact like, what you said, eight different technologies they had at the time. Uh, he has more details on individual missions and what each mission's goal was, as opposed to just, they sent me to Mars and then sent me back and then sent me back, back to Mars. And then I left of my own accord. And that was that. It feels, it feels like a tacked on extra to the original story he told. Yeah. And then, I mean, the other thing with it is, um, it's almost too much like if he had stopped with the time travel it would have been this crazy conspiracy but at least more believable yeah than it is to say not only did project pegasus cover that project pegasus also took us to mars and nine years later what was that nine year gap if a project ended and they're going to start a new one they wouldn't keep the same name yeah like, we have so many of these projects, Project Paperclip, Project Pegasus, MKUltra, but, like, there's so many, Project Plum, Plum Island, like, there's so many things that, like, why would you keep the same name? And why would they let one person be a part of two big projects? I mean, yeah, I have to, I don't really see... Uh, why he in particular was involved in both projects. He definitely doesn't sound like a suitable candidate for either, given his behavior recently. Right, and especially since he flat out said he wanted to sabotage it. Like, grow. I'm not sure how that didn't show up on the psychological profiling. Yeah. Okay, I really want to talk about how they told him he was going to be the first Martian conquistador. Yeah. <laughs> there are basically, like, two requirements in general for like being a conquistador and those are to literally engage in conquering to literally like forcibly with military might take over regions and the other is to set up trade routes the the term mostly refers to you know like spanish conquistadors exploring america right uh he neither established trade routes because he was even in, he was never in a capacity to have that kind of decision. The government that hired him out for this would have been the conquistadors by that definition. So he never established trade routes, but he also never conquered a damn thing. No. There was a human colonist there before he was even there. Right. And when he did have something to possibly conquer, he crossed his arms. And the second one, he ran away. Yeah, I don't understand. If, he, if, his, if the intention of the program was for him to be a conquistador, I'm not sure what they expected an individual child to do. Yeah. You would need an organized military force to take on these so-called aliens and control any territory. Right, and they're sending these people one and two at a time. Yeah. 
like, dude, you failed your mis like that right there would have been an instant fail. I mean that that isn't even like a failing of Basiago. That's a failing of the project itself, trying to conquer a planet with two people at a time. Minus that one colonist dude who was there for some reason. The caffeine has worn off. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's unfortunate. Where did this one colonist come from? That's what I want to know. I have to wonder that myself. And also, like, even in this ideal landscape that Basiago's version of Mars sounds like, it didn't. he didn't describe any, like, crops or rivers right, there or anything there. near this building. So, like... What is this colonist eating and drinking? The tube of dead people. And also, the, the two, let, let's also talk, the tube of dead people. How many humans went missing that the government didn't account for in their own experiment? How many people can fit in a tube? How big is the tube? <laughs> I mean, I would assume if they're saying, if NASA's saying it's frozen over lava flow, essentially, it's probably pretty damn long, at least. Long, I'd believe, yeah. I don't know how wide, though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, are we talking, like, chimney? Because you could probably fit a lot of people in, like, a chimney-like width thing. I mean, I'm thinking, like, human centipede. Yeah, well, it also it also said, you know, the, bo- the body parts sound like they were pretty, like, mashed up and all that. Yeah, he was eating human and sticking it in the freezer for later. Yeah, but that brings up even more questions again, because, like, like, you, like this is pointing out, there are a lot of unaccounted for human interactions on the planet Mars. Yeah. By these, by Basiago's story. A lot of plot holes. A lot of plot holes. But hey, I mean, it wouldn't be a conspiracy if there weren't plot holes. Yeah. That pretty much dismantles the whole thing. Yeah. He wasn't a suitable candidate. Mars was never a suitable planet for this kind of thing. Uh... There wouldn't be life like he described on Mars. The technology doesn't exist to facilitate the travel. Why they didn't just remove him from the picture as soon as he became problematic with all this sophisticated energy technology of theirs, and why the government would be doing this in the first place. Yeah. That pretty much covers everything, those six main points. So, tall tale gone too far, and that is Project Pegasus. Basically, in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, with that in mind, you can find us on our website, conspiracycrasherspodcast.com. Go there, because on that website, it has a link to listen, a link for merch. Um, the Patreon link is up through that. You can learn a little bit about us on it. Um, it's a pretty cool place. Um, we also can be found on Instagram at Conspiracy Crashers Podcast, um, where we will be starting to announce next week's episodes on the Instagram by posting some cryptid images for you guys Ooh. to try and use to figure out what we're covering. We can be found on Facebook at Conspiracy Crashers, on Twitter at, at Conspiracy Pods, and our email if you have suggestions, ideas of what you want us to cover advice, whatever. Tell us your men in black experiences.